Hello, welcome to episode 14 of I Love It Here, I Hate It Here. My name is Steven, and today we are just going to kind of talk about things. We're going to do, as usual, Love It's Hate It's. There might be some trivia at the end, and there might be, well, there is going to be a mailbag question at the end, at, at least, because I answered a question last week, and I kind of answered the wrong question correctly. You'll understand when you get to the mailbag part of the section, but I just want to say that we are back. It is still me. Uh, Connor is still doing his own thing. He said that he might be back in a few weeks, so we're just going to let him chill for it. But you know, sometimes people just don't want to do something for a little bit, or sometimes they just don't have the time for it. I mean, we're not going to um, nail him to a cross, the podcast cross. Is that a, is that a fair comparison? I don't, I don't think so. Um, Connor uh, is not Jesus Christ, so never mind. We are going to get into some love it's and hate it's, but first I just wanted to talk a little bit about, you know how you have your cell phone, right? And sometimes your cell phone will send through like a mass emergency alert thing. And you're like, oh no, it's like an Amber Alert saying watch out for the white suburban or something like that. Well, on February 1st, you know, uh, last week, first of the month, an Amber Alert was sent out and issued in Texas, okay? So the Texas Department of Safety uh, sent out an Amber Alert by accident and the said Amber Alert message had the suspect as Chucky, so like the little doll Chucky, was described as wearing blue denim overalls with multicolored striped long sleeve shirt, and said it was last seen wielding a huge kitchen knife. And Chucky was accused of abducting Glenn Ray, who I think plays like his son in one of the Chucky movies. Regardless, imagine you're just like chilling in Texas, you know, it's warm out there, you don't care about wearing a mask, and you're just chilling out hanging in Texas, and you get this Amber Alert, and it says, hey, Chucky's on the loose. Wouldn't that just kind of freak you out a little bit? Like, oh, Chucky's a doll from a fictional horror thing. But then the government sends you a mass text email alert thing. And it's like, hey, Chucky's coming after you. And he's got some little kid with him. Like, I mean, kind of reminds me of back in mm, 2017, 2018, where there was that miss, like the mass message alert that was sent to people in Hawaii that like a nuclear strike was incoming. Yeah, not cool at all. Uh, my friend Alex lived out in Hawaii and was uh, got that message and was like, holy crap, I'm going to die. So yeah, not cool. If you do see like a denim overall child with a knife that is going to kill his other son or whatever, uh, just call uh, the Texas Department of Public Safety and say, hey, you know, uh, we found the doll. I mean, like maybe, I don't know, how do you, how do you, how do you fight against a doll? Like assuming you're taller than the doll, do you just like kick it? Like if, if the doll is chasing after you with a knife... Wouldn't you just kick the doll? I'm no doll fighting expert, so I don't know, but that's just some food for thought. Regardless of that little whatever tangent, let's get into some love it's and hate it's. How about that? I'm going to switch things up this week, and I'm going to go with my hate it here first. So my hate it here is actually going to be something that I experienced quite a lot during soccer, which might just mean that I'm a very, very poor stretcher of my muscles. But I really, 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 really do not like shin splints. So for those that don't know or aren't aware, shin splints are these pains like in the front of your shin bone. Um, and they result when like muscles and tendons and bones are overworked. And they sometimes are like intensified, sometimes are not. Sometimes it's like a lingering pain that lasts for a few weeks. But regardless, my friend Brandon and I were kind of talking about how we would like to try and like do a 5k. So um, I just got a new treadmill and she is nice enough to let me use it while I am quote-unquote training for this 5k because I'm quote-unquote an athlete now. I'm not at all in the slightest, but regardless, I started like running on there to try and like build my stamina up because I have really, 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 really bad stamina, and so I'm just running and running and running and running and running and running and running, and I ran and got like an 8 minute and 20 second mile, which I'm bragging about because it's my personal best for running a mile, 
and the next three days I it hurt to walk because my shins were just killing me and it you're trying to like get your body adjusted to doing these distance things and you're trying to get your body adjusted to running and all of this stuff but when you overwork yourself like me because I'm like hey I haven't ran in like six months let's go as fast as I can without like really taking a break and not really managing my body and you know when you do that you are just setting yourself up for failure so now the last three days I've been waddling around because I'm like oh my shins hurt a whole lot I should have been more smart with my exercising and I should have just you know taken it easy and eased myself into running fast or running quickly or running briefly or doing a brisk walk but no I decided to go pedal to the metal crank the treadmill all the way up and just kill my legs so don't recommend uh, not fun Try to avoid shin splints at all costs because you never really realize how well you walk until you can't really walk all that well. And I love it here because of St. Jude's Children's Hospital. So I don't know, I'm gonna kind of like go through two different things with this. I don't know, you, those of you that have like Amazon Prime or you order off of Amazon frequently, you can like choose a charity to um, donate to each time you purchase something. You just go to smile.amazon.com and you can pick like a charity. So each time you purchase something like you're like one percent or something would go towards this charity that you're paying for so i've always like sponsored saint jude's and i think that even though i spent like a bajillion dollars at amazon i've spent and donated like 12 dollars total to saint jude's because i mean amazon needs so much money why can't they just increase the donation just a little bit but that's uh, beside the point you know uh, St. Jude Children's Hospital is actually doing this cool thing for Valentine's Day where you can actually send a virtual card to like some of the children that are there. You just go to like stjude.org and then slash get involved and then you just click around until you find the Valentine's Day. And it's really cool because you can send like an e-card, a virtual card to these kids who are stuck in the hospital for Valentine's Day and things like that. So when they should be like out at elementary school or something spreading around cards and the candy and things like that, they're instead uh, having procedures done on them and given medicine and all of this stuff and it's probably very very scary especially with COVID-19 going on like they probably can't see other kids or they might be isolated and can't really see their parents I'm not quite sure what the procedures are and the protocol is there but you can actually like send an e-card out you just need to like put your name email and then what you can do is you can like choose between I think it's like six or seven different graphics between these e-cards you just click through and then you can either have like a personalized message in which you write something like I wrote um you're very brave, yada, yada, yada. I hope you have like a happy Thanksgiving or <laughs> happy Thanksgiving, a happy Valentine's Day, or you can have it like auto-filled. But I think that that's really cool because it's just like little things like that that matter a lot to people because you don't think like me taking 10 seconds out of my day or like a minute or however long it took can have that much of an impact on somebody like, oh, I'm just filling out a card, blah, blah, blah. But like the kid's going to actually get that and read that and be like, hey, somebody's thinking about me. And that could just mean the entire world to somebody. So I think that I would just urge you all to do that if you haven't already. Uh, maybe sign a few cards and help cheer some people up. Because although I'm not like a huge Valentine's Day kind of person, uh, Valentine's Day during like elementary school and middle school are awesome. Because you get like these funny cards, like sometimes it would be a wrestling card or like Scooby-Doo card or something. And then you got like those really, really, really terrible like candies that say like, love you or yours. They're like heart shaped. And sometimes they're sweet tarts, right? So sometimes they're very good and they're sweet tarts. But sometimes there's like that off brand that kind of tasted chalky and you're like, oh, this person just hoed me because they gave me um, the chalky ones and not the sweet tart ones. You know what I'm saying? So just, you know, put down your name, put down your email, write a few words of kindness to somebody and just, you know, help some kids out. I mean, it could be it could make their day and it only takes you like a minute or two to do. So strongly encourage you all to do that. At least one. If we can do one, I think that there's like a few dozen people that listen to these. That would be like a few dozen e-cards and people would be like, hey, that's awesome. So cool. 
My second love you here, hate it here is actually going to be there is a psychologist named Adam Grant who was on the Armchair Expert podcast, which is Dak Shepard's podcast. Dak Shepard, comedian, actor, all of the above. Probably also known for being married to Kristen Bell, who's just like, I don't know, a perfect human being. Regardless, Adam Grant was on uh, Dax's podcast, and he's a psychologist, and he came up with this theory. It's kind of a theory, but it's kind of not, whereas people are operating in like three different truths about themselves. They are operating in something called uh, preacher, prosecutor, or politician, whereas if you are operating as a preacher, uh, you want to believe in your beliefs that they are endangered. You start to deliver like heartfelt lectures to defend and advocate for your principles, uh, prosecutors are when we see faults in other people's thinking, we want to prove them wrong. And when we want to be liked and seek approval from those around us, we turn into a politician. So it's kind of breaking it down and it's kind of stating that humans follow three different realms of thinking. Whereas you can be a preacher, uh, you want somebody to like really believe in your principles and you advocate for those and you become a prosecutor when you see that somebody is thinking like poorly or like thinking not in the same realm that you are. So you're trying to prove them wrong. And then you have the politician where you're like, I'm just going to try and be as well-liked and get approval from everyone. And we kind of all operate in these three realms. Some are like more predominant in your life than others. Like I would say that I am, hmm, I don't know. I'm trying to like gauge myself. I, I see myself in all three of these, but I think that I would be like a preacher kind of because I want, like I'm very passionate about what I believe in and I'm very strongly rooted in my beliefs. And like I want other people to understand that. So Maybe that's where the heartfelt part comes in and where I advocate for my principles that I live on. Um, but I, then again, I also seek to be liked and I want to be approved, approved. I want to be approved by those around me. And then I also want to, I don't want to prove people wrong per se as like a politician, but I want my thoughts to be known and others people thinking can conflict with what I believe. So I would push back against their beliefs and kind of be like, no, this is the way that I see it. And so I always have like these imaginary arguments and like debates in a courtroom in my head all of the time like I come up with all of these thoughts and I'm like if somebody does this what am I going to say and yada 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 and sometimes it just falls very flat on its face but regardless like I could see myself in my brain like I'm always <laughs> even if it's like my brain against my brain it's like total non-stop courtroom in my brain and so maybe I am a prosecutor I don't know I would just, I'm kind of curious to see what you guys all would consider yourselves as because between the preacher, prosecutor, politician, I kind of equally am balanced between the three. I would lean toward preacher more for often than not because I tend to speak from like the heart about things that I'm passionate about in a way, which is funny because I'm not at all religious, but I don't think you need to be religious to be a preacher. But then again, like getting on a soapbox can also be preaching. So maybe I kind of do that a lot on this podcast, um, even especially with Connor not being here because I don't have anyone to bounce ideas off of and he can't, he's not here to tell me like, hey, maybe we shouldn't talk about that. So Connor, don't ever come back. Just kidding. Please come back. I miss you so much. A book in which Grant kind of reveals these three principles is called Think Again. I think it just came out and he writes about the power of knowing what you don't know. And he kind of has three other strategies to kind of be more flexible with your opinions. First one, and I'm reading this from a Forbes article called, Is That the Best Solution? Think Again, a conversation with Adam Grant. And the three solutions are kind of, or the three strategies are surround yourself with people who will challenge your opinion, not just support it. Uh, the new circle of influence will remove any blinders you have in your thought process. Uh, the second strategy is base your identity on your values, not your opinions. This practice leaves you open to considering the most effective way to achieve them. And number three is consider how your beliefs might change based on your culture, religion, age, or ethnicity. It kind of factors in, you know, the whole have a free mind, 
be open-minded. Don't be closed off to changing your opinion or listening to somebody else's uh, feedback on the opinion. I mean, there's a lot of aggressive dichotomy and conversation regarding a lot of important issues in this country, the United States specifically, and being more open-minded and trying to see things from the perspective of somebody who is different from you is kind of important because differences are what make us all unique and what makes humanity so cool. But if nobody's trying to understand somebody else's plight, then we are failing to progress as like a species per se. That's probably too deep. But that's just how I feel. And Mahita here is something that kind of has been bothering me for quite some time. I mean, I work in like the financial industry sort of. And one thing that just really, really, really grinds my gears is overdraft fees. I don't know if you all are familiar with overdraft fees, but overdraft fees are essentially when your banking account or checking account, your savings account, whatever account gets overdrawn. And so say you buy new Ray-Bans for, I don't know why I went with Ray-Bans. Say you buy... $20 worth of groceries, right? And your checking account has $16.79 in it, okay? So that's like a $3.21 difference. And if you didn't notice, I had to slow down my talking because I talk very fast, but I had to slow it down because I wanted to make sure I had the math correct. Math is correct, $3.21 difference. So you overdraw your account by $3.21. The bank or credit union doesn't like that. So they're like, hey, we're gonna charge you a $30 fee because you overdrew your account. So not only are you negative $3.21 in your account, the institution is hitting you with a $30 fee as well. So now you have to owe $33.21 to the credit union or the bank or the institution. So you're going larger in the hole than you initially were. And so this doesn't really affect people who have money because if you have money, there's no reason that you would get an overdraft fee. But I see it happening a lot with like lower income people where as people that live paycheck to paycheck, if they write a check, and then an automatic payment for rent is withdrawn, a lot of people get screwed over because maybe the same day they're getting a deposit from their work, but sometimes it's like four hour difference between the money being withdrawn and then you get the deposit. So that'll still overdraw your account. So you're waiting on that payment. And meanwhile, your car insurance is withdrawn. Oh, that's $30 more that you got to owe the bank. And that just is, uh, I understand that banks and credit unions have to make a profit, but that practice is just really, really, really disgusting to me because it's just a way to make people more in debt or make them feel like they still owe these corporations more money because, hey, I'm already living paycheck to paycheck and something bounces or you overdraw your account. And it just does not seem fair to keep screwing over these people because they don't have enough money in their account. And I get it. I totally get it that uh, credit unions and banks need to make money. I totally understand that that is how they do interest. That is how they do fees. That is how they do all of this stuff. It just bums me out a lot because I can see how it affects some people having to owe these fees because they are just trying to survive in this country. And it just bums me out, you know? So I hate it here because of overdraft fees. Watch watch me get fired for (laughs) speaking openly about this or something. That would kind of suck. You remember I'm a preacher, right? I said that I'm a preacher talking about heartfelt opinions, advocating for what's right, yada, 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 yada. I'm just saying that overdraft fees bum me out and they feel kind of predatory toward poor people that's all my final love it here is probably going to be revisited throughout future episodes on and on and on because i don't know if you all know this but i have been in therapy since like 2018 um i first started therapy in june of 2018 i think and i started a blog on mental health and i kept up with that a lot but then it became just very um 
It felt more like a chore to write because as I wrote more about my experiences, I felt like I was just in this continuous love of being like, woe is me, woe is me, life is hard, blah, blah, blah. And that's not at all what I wanted to do because I wanted it to like, I wanted to write about my experiences with mental health so that people could relate to it and maybe spark a conversation about that. That's why I want to do that. But somewhere down the line, I just, I don't know if it's just um, exhausted from writing about issues and all of that stuff because it can take a lot out of you to be that vulnerable, I guess, which my first ever therapy session, my therapist was like, hey, you should watch Brene Brown talk about the art of vulnerability or something about vulnerability. It's a TED talk. I was like, okay, cool. And that whole 20 minute video just felt like a personal attack on me because it's all about being vulnerable. And that's something that I used to be really good at and have um, gotten a little bit better as of late since like the summer. I got a little bit better at doing that. But man, I have crafted so many walls up in my life for different aspects of myself and I like how this is the love it here but it's going it's like not even positive Uh, I just want to talk about how much I love therapy Uh, if you are struggling at all I would recommend trying to see a therapist I do know that therapy costs an insanely disgusting amount of money and it is so utterly mm, predatory I like the word predatory when talking about financial stuff because that's what it is but you know um it is very predatory. So if you can't afford a therapist, I'm not a therapist at all, but you can always you know, reach out to me on social media or text me or call me or whatever you want to do. But regardless, uh, therapy is so important to you. I think that kind of like how we get a checkup on our physical body every year, I think that we need to do like a mental health checkup every year because some people just go through a lot of stuff and don't really understand what's the cause of it. And they have so much pent up anger and frustration and they just kind of let it stew in their head. That was exactly what I was doing. My whole undergrad, I just had these dark lying thoughts like with depression and anxiety and everything. But I just kept pushing it down because I kept telling myself, hey, uh, your problems aren't that important. Other people are going through a lot worse than you. So just, you know, kind of keep your head down and keep going through things. And then these things started manifesting as panic attacks. Like I had a panic attack during a workshop in a class. I had a panic attack before presenting about Shakespeare in a class and my anxieties were very heightened. Like I was talking about in a few episodes ago where like I would have panic attacks in movie theater. So that kind of ruined going to the movie theater for me. And it just sucked so much joy out of so many things that I alternately enjoyed doing. Like I loved going to movies all the time. And then I have like one panic attack, two panic attacks, and it kind of just like removes the whole entire joy from that. But after therapy, like I feel like I can go to a movie and enjoy it. I'm not going to be too involved in my head to even focus on the movie in front of me. And with restaurants, I feel like I can go to a restaurant. I I don't know about like the presentations, you know, those kind of still psych me out. They don't psych me out. They freak me out because you have to stand up in front of somebody and talk for like 20 minutes and like know your stuff, which I know things. But once I get up in front of people, it's like mind goes blank and it's like, uh, what, what class is this? And so, uh, presentation is kind of different, but like things that would stress me out, like restaurants, movie theaters, Um, workshopping a piece for a creative writing class. I feel like I have such a strong handle on it now because of therapy. And I'm so much different now mentally than I was two and a half years ago because, I don't know, you make progress and you make strides. And even though it feels like life is dragging you down the stairs after you take like two steps forward, you're still like making progress. You're still going forward. And so even though I feel like I'm not good enough for things or I'm not worthy of people's time or something like that, I still and making progress and proceeding toward and progressing toward like being a better version of myself. 
And that's all because of therapy. Like my therapist, she said something. And I don't know if this was a compliment or not. She's like, I have certain clients that during the pandemic I think about and I worry about them. And she goes, you're one of them. And I was like, oh, no, like it's felt like a negative. And she's like, no, you're making so much progress with your um, social anxiety and everything that when the pandemic started, and everything kind of shut down. I didn't want you to lose that progress. And I was like, you know, you kind of take a step back and you don't realize that you're making this progress. So I just want, I don't know. <laughs> I really don't hope that this comes across as like me being like, oh, I'm all mental health healthy now because I'm not at all. Um, but I just want to like stress the importance of not letting your thoughts fester and build in your brain and just kind of talking about them. If not to a therapist, um, maybe to a parent, if not to a parent, a friend, if not to a friend, go on, I don't know, Omegle or Omegle or whatever and video chat with some dude who's probably just going to be, you know, doing an inappropriate thing uh, on the webcam, but maybe he'll be a good listener at the same time, you know? So I just kind of stress that uh, take good care of your brain because you only get one brain, kind of like if you break your leg, like you're not going to be like, oh, it's fine, it'll heal over time. Like you're going to go to a doctor. And if your brain is like feeling hazy or cloudy or foggy, like you would go, you should go take care of it because I've spent the so many of the last few years feeling like I've been in a dark cloud kind of, or like there's been this, some sort of uh, rainy cloud following my life. And it just, it kind of, you get stuck in this mind state where you're just thinking about not being happy or good enough or worthy and all of that stuff where just kind of that becomes your normal thought process and breaking that thought process is so dang difficult but it's possible you know so I don't know where this was going I love therapy that's why I love it here and I kind of just went on a tangent and that's what happens when it's still just me uh, I don't have Connor here to rope me in with my thoughts and he doesn't even get to preview these and listen to these so he's just gonna listen to this and be like oh so we went there in this episode regardless uh, take care of your brain please uh, I would appreciate it if not for yourself, do it for me. Um, I make this podcast because I have so many fans and so many people just care about every single word that I say. Uh, that's the only reason why people listen is because they want to hear me talk specifically. They're like, wow, Stephen, I really want to hear like everything you have to say because it's the word of God. And so that's why I do this podcast. So if I am the word of God, please just take care of your brain. You only get one brain. Uh, I don't think brain transplants are a thing yet. I mean, they could be. There could be a time later on when you're like, hey, Let's go to the brain store and get a new brain. That'd be kind of cool. That'd be like an awesome short story. I got an idea. In a world where getting a new brain is as easy as one, two, three, protagonist Skylar Hawkins does not know what to do when he is trapped in his own brain. Coming soon to a theater near you, trapped in your own brain. Yeah, that was pretty freaking weird. I'm sorry about that. I'm not cutting it out, though. It's going to stay there forever. And my final hate here is kind of going to coincide with anxiety and stuff. I was talking to one of my best pals named Autumn, and we were just kind of talking about how we if do you ever, and I, I'm doing this on the podcast because I told her I would. So Autumn, if you're listening, this was your idea. So thank you for that. We were just kind of talking about how we think that some people believe the same things that we do, but they don't talk about it. And Autumn was like, why do I feel like every single person around me hates me but they're all just putting on an act and i was like you know i th i feel like i'm doing the same thing as well like i just started a new job back in like september and even though like i'm being promoted to like a level a level higher than what i have been it's kind of weird because like i'll call my boss and like i feel bad for calling a supervisor for like assistance on something like i i want to make sure i do something correctly but i also feel bad for like picking up the phone and being like hey can you help me with this even though i want to do it right and she's like i feel the same way about my boss because I want to make sure I'm doing something right, but I also don't want to feel like a burden. So then when you start calling somebody like two, three, four times a day, you just kind of feel like, oh, this person probably just hates my guts. 
or like everyone around me is just tolerating me. Even though that's not true, but it's kind of like these intrusive thoughts where it slips into your brain for half a second and then you're spent ruminating on it and you're like, hey, does this person actually like me or no? Like a passive aggressive email could just be an actual email, but you don't get tone or visual expressions through email. So you're like, hey, if somebody doesn't put an exclamation at the end of their email, they're probably mad at you or something. It's like, no, that's just irrational and ridiculous. But hey, we're all human. We all have anxieties. We all just kind of go through it together. And I just thought that that was kind of interesting because um, I texted Autumn at the same time and she was like, hey, I'm also thinking about the same exact thing right now. And then even a few days ago, my best friend Tanner from growing up was like, sometimes I get this idea that you just hate me and I don't know why. And then a few days later, you'll favorite one of my tweets. And I'll be like, okay, no, he doesn't hate me. And it's just weird because like nothing is even being said, but we still like devise these plans and create these ideas in our head that, hey, this person hates me because they for forget, forget to put an emoji that's smiling. Or maybe they said thanks with a period and not an exclamation point. So you're like, oh no, they're not talking like I do. So they must hate me. I use so many exclamation points all the time. It makes me sick. And I always like end a text with LOL, even though I'm not laughing, just like out of reaction, you're like, hey, like you're, you're, you want to send a message, but you don't want it to be like bland. So you're like, haha, LOL. Yes, I did let the dog out, LOL. Like there's no, why are you laughing out loud? Because you let the dog out. I don't know. That's just <laughs> humanity. And now it is time for everyone's favorite part, the mailbag. So I need to correct the record as last week I answered a question from my friend Kean. He said, who is Rory's best boyfriend? And me interpreted that question as my dog Rory. So if you didn't know, I have a dog named Rory who is named after Rory Gilmore from Gilmore Girls. I've watched Gilmore Girls. Kean has watched Gilmore Girls. He wanted to know who Rory's best boyfriend was on the show Gilmore Girls, not my actual dog <laughs> Rory's boyfriend. So uh, Kean, to answer your question uh, correctly this time, uh, Jess. Jess is far and away Rory's best boyfriend on Gilmore Girls. No question. Dean is irrelevant. He's obsolete. He is not anywhere close to Jess. And maybe I just relate to Jess because he writes and I got a degree in creative writing. Who knows? But it also helps that uh, Jess is played by, by Milo Ventimiglia. Ventimiglia. That's kind of fun to say. Who is on This Is Us and is just fantastic on that show. And he's very cool. So that's probably why I like Jess more. My friend Brandon writes in, What is something that you love that Connor hates? And that easy, easy, easy answer to that is Arby's. I love Arby's. Connor despises Arby's. My friend Cruz said that if I ever wanted a guest host, he would come on the podcast, talk about how much he loves Arby's, and also just completely, totally eviscerate Jeff Bezos and Amazon, which I also am all supportive of. Then Brandon turns the question around and says, hey, Connor, what is something Stephen hates that you love? Connor said that he loves both The Weeknd and University of Michigan. Me, Stephen, I do not care for The Weeknd, the singer, obviously, not the actual days of the week. Uh, I, th I think The Weeknd has a great voice, but I'm just not, he's not my go-to listener. I don't put him on to listen to. I couldn't tell you the last time I actually listened to one of his songs willingly. And the University of Michigan, I don't hate the University of Michigan. I grew up and was raised by two parents that graduated from Michigan State. So obviously there's some sort of, you know, leaning there that I'm going to be raised with a certain bias. Friend of the pod, Andy writes, with Connor being off, why haven't you had guest hosts? Well, Andy, as the late, great Vanilla Ice once said, and I know he's not dead, but his music career is, anything less than the best is a felony. If I had anyone less than Connor, I would have to take myself off the air and go to prison because that'd be a felony. He makes this podcast whole, and I don't know if I could replace him. Another question is from my coworker and friend Kevin. He is asking, should credit unions and banks hold membership based on political affiliation? 
No, they should not. Um, basically, you want to make money. So why would you ostracize the people that are going to make money at your bank or your credit union? I guess, I mean, there are some exceptions, but if you wanted to like worship or be in the political party of your cat roommate, Theo, like you're like, hey, I'm in the party of Theo and you want to start a membership at a credit union. I mean, go for it, dude. Final question is from my friend Jenna, who asks, what is your ideal first date? Even without no budget, what would your ideal first date be? That would be, this is a great question. I think that no budget, budget doesn't really matter. I don't think that like flaunting all this money is important for a date. I am kind of cool with, you know, uh, going papa golfing, <laughs> basic, getting ice cream, uh, double basic. And I really just find it romantic and appealing to just walk around like a downtown area late at night, you know, just kind of like walk around. It's kind of quiet. Uh, hopefully there's no hooligans hiding in the alleyways, but just kind of walking around downtown, you know, walking through the street, going up and down and just kind of like learning about each other and just talking. Um, a lot of people like movies as like a date idea or something where you're not really as focused on getting to know the person. Whereas I just like getting to know people. So I think that just walking around kind of like that scene in the notebook where they're like walking around and then they start dancing in the middle of the street. Yeah. Uh, that'd be me. Uh, I'm kind of cheesy like that. So I think that that would be my ideal first date, but instead of like building a house for somebody, I would probably get hit by a car while dancing. So I think I'm just going to stay with just walking around a downtown area or just walking up and down some streets. And before we get into the outro, our song of the week is going to be this, Here I Go Again by Whitesnake. Here I go again on my own, going down the only road I've ever known, like a drifter I was born to podcast alone. And that concludes today's episode. I thank you guys for listening. If you have any mailbag questions or thoughts, inquiries, suggestions for movies or albums, or if you have any topics you want us to talk about, please email us at I love it here, I hate it here at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at love hate it here. Uh, follow us on Instagram or Facebook at I love it here, I hate it here. And that is all. Just be on the lookout for our next episode, which will be on the 16th of February. And in the meantime, stay safe, wear a mask, keep it real. Peace and love.